LMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding. The street is full of corruption. It is baked in to every aspect of our society. 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This is written over 100 years ago. Hey everybody, it is Steve the Rogue Scholar and it has been a few minutes since I've been live. I've been sick as a dog, folks. I don't know what, I still, I full disclosure, don't know what it did. Um, couldn't keep foods down for days and have had other problems and it's just really fatigued the living daylights out of me. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, um, I'm here today and I just get the you know, elephant out of the room. This weekend, there was a march in Washington, D.C. There was a big, huge uh, list of speakers, uh, many of which um, not really people that I would want to hear from, to be fair. Um, but the idea of having an anti-war movement of any variety is a nice thing to think about. It just crushes crushes my soul that the austerity message the the idea that austerity is war that it is murder and that it literally kills more consistently over time than any of these normal traditional war excursions and the fact that that relationship doesn't seem to sink in hasn't come in focus for people is absolutely devastating. It's absolutely devastating. You see, if I withhold medicine from you, or if I withhold food from you, or if I withhold uh, sustenance of any variety from you, I can diminish your life. And in the end, I, I have the power to, to terminate your life. If I am the wellspring from which the things you need come from. And when you understand that the federal government is the currency issuer, it lets you understand, it lets you understand, it lets you understand that the government, when it cuts off that spigot, is literally hurting people. Okay, it's, it's literally hurting people. And when you think about the majority of the people who are on the fringe, doing really poorly, struggling financially, you name it, these changes, the increase in interest rates that affect the available credit for people who don't have the money to do it otherwise, have to go into debt and take out debt at huge interest rates. Um, you know, the, the cost of credit in general, banking dollars between banks and stuff increases the cost of, of uh, things around the world. And, and then you consider that the government starts trying specifically with this non, -ex what is it? The natural uh, rate of, I always screw up Nauru, but Nauru is the, uh, uh, the non-accelerating rate of inflation, I believe it is. Um, and really what it comes down to is how many people do we need to have unemployed before we are able to bring inflation down? And these are all standard things that the establishment 
uh, Federal Reserve marching orders, Congress marching orders, et cetera, these guys are following. And so I'm, I'm thinking to myself, most people don't have a clue about this. And they show up to a rally like yesterday, and they're partnered up with the most egregious austerity hounds there is. There is no one more austere, zero percent, no one more in the freaking sweet spot of promoting austerity than libertarians. In particular, Von Mises Institute and Lou Rockwell and Ron Paul. And I won't stay on this long because I've got other things to talk about, but I just want to state for the record, Ron Paul gets up there and starts the chant and the Fed. And for everybody that has never bothered to do any learning whatsoever, that's easy, low-hanging fruit, man. And the Fed. And the Fed. And, you know, I looked around at other outlets that do know about this stuff, and I just wanted to see if they were educating people and saying, now listen, that right there, that isn't the right way. But thank God they're for anti-war didn't see any of that there was no corrections there was no analysis there was nothing other than if you say anything against this you're wrong whatever that it's ridiculous um you know and and in the absence of educating and teaching and pushing back on that stuff you know we don't understand the rationale or the reasons for war we don't understand why de-dollarization matters or how it matters or what's going on with it. So we hear about the BRICS and everybody's running off about the BRICS because that's what the other side talks about. They don't understand what the impact of that is. They don't understand the impact of, um, and when I say impact, I mean, I'm not talking about, oh no, the U.S. is going to be hurting. I'm saying they don't really understand it. They just think suddenly the dollar will be gone and the U.S. will be somehow or another left in to begging pauper status and like it's just all over the place and it's happening fast and quick and people, all sorts of different weird voices that don't understand what the fuck they're talking about, just saying things and repeating things and saying them again and repeating them again. And there's an old saying that it takes 10,000 words to replace one bullshit lie. That's easy to understand. Okay. So all they have to do is drop some comment somewhere. And as long as they're deemed to have the hand of God on them, they're okay. And whatever they said, doesn't matter. It'll just propagate, okay? So for me, there were some major opportunities uh, that yesterday, I mean, it's not all bad, right? Like I'm very, very happy. Let me just state outright, very happy that there's any anti-war movement at all, period. I'm very unhappy that it comes on the back of uh, a group that advances with extreme hate, austerity. So anyway, that's that. So I just kept thinking to myself, you know, everybody, I have my inbox filled up to the point where I almost didn't do a live stream today because there's so much garbage that came out of yesterday in terms of ridiculousness and people sending me stuff. And then on top of it, as if that's not bad enough, there's a lot of other information out there that is befuddling the hell out of people also. Why is the Fed raising interest rates even now? Why do they continue raising interest rates? The reason the Fed is raising interest rates is because they believe, number one, that 
the more they raise interest rates, the better chance they have of creating more unemployment. Their goal is to create a minimum of 5% unemployment. They want to keep people unemployed. They need people unemployed in their model and their way of viewing the world because without having people involuntary unemployed, there's no way to control inflation. It's, it's a crock. There's a million ways of doing it without destroying people's lives, but they aren't going to look at that. That's not going to happen. Okay. Right now, what we have sadly, very sadly is a, it, it, like a line, like there's like a dividing line between, I don't really care what happens below this line. Anything up here, we're all good. It doesn't really matter. It's all theoretical. Yeah. We need to lay some people off. Yeah. We need to raise some interest rates. What? Very, very sanitary. They don't know the damage because they're not near the damage because they don't give a shit who they hurt. Problem is underneath of that line is a bunch of people that don't really understand what's happening. They don't know why it's happening. And they end up carrying the water for the most right-wing economics you've ever seen in your life. And what's the problem? Well, we didn't do a good job of reaching progressives, even marginal leftists. When we had an opportunity, a lot of people decided they would check out and do their own thing. They didn't stay on this message. And so now all of a sudden you've got two groups equally clueless about economics coming together with lots of Alex Jones fairy tales, lots of insanity, lots of absolute absurdity, and they're feeding off of one. And so I kept thinking to myself, what is, what is my core grounding? Well. You know, MMT provided me with a lens to understand the economy, but MMT leaves me with some openings because as Bill Mitchell will tell you, MMT is not the theory of everything. And so got to keep MMT in its proper place. You understand what it allows us to do. You understand what could be done. You understand how different the world could be, but you have to understand power dynamics. And you have to understand how things get done in this country. And you have to understand that right now, whether we like this or not, whether we like any of this or not, whether you accept this or not, government is not serving our needs, period. And as a result of government not serving our needs, it creates a lot of questions. The questions it creates are left without quality answers, not answers that are addressing the people's concerns. In fact, a lot of the people that I know and love that understand this stuff would rather talk in investor-grade circles. Well, actually, my portfolio looks really nice right about now. Predicting a bull market, you know, like three basis points or something, whatever, right? Typical bourgeois bullshit. Stuff that literally alienates the vast majority of people from modern monetary theory. And it makes it look like it's nothing but a bourgeois bullshit psyop. And it's anything but that. But because so many hearken up and want to want to level up, want to be seen as one of the power players, want to be seen as somebody that's a mover and a shaker, they want to talk about investing. And as a result of being investor grade, The entire movement of people that we could have been reaching ignores us. They just think that what we're talking about is nothing but uh, Democratic Party uh, politics 
And I got to tell you, none of what I'm saying, I mean, check the tape. Very rarely does anything I have to say sound like a Democratic fucking, you know, cheerleading session. In no way, shape, or form am I personally advancing the establishment, okay? But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. First of all, there's louder voices. There's people that are working together that are not really giving a flying fuck whether they get any of this stuff right or not. And that means that in order to reach people with this stuff, you've got to reach them where they're at. And reaching them where they're at requires understanding the foundations of MMT. Not just the foundations of MMT, but understanding the problems they're trying to solve. Okay? Understand the problems they're trying to solve. They don't want the U.S. government provoking a war with NATO backing, or they don't want the U.S. using its arm of the IMF to take over and colonize, uh, you know, struggling nations, nations that are desperate, that we go in there, apply debt to them, and then suck up their resources. They don't want that. Who would? But because there's a lot of bougie people out there that don't think about this stuff. They don't care about that. They don't stay focused on that stuff. They focus on their portfolio. They focus on what stock should I buy next? Selfish, very rich people like minded stuff. And as a result of that, we've lost the heart of a nation. And we wonder why MMT never makes it out into the, into the broader, uh, the broader discourse. It's very, very painful to see that instead we use very, very, um, cautious terminology. The people that are desperate aren't using cautious terminology. They're using terminology that revs up the engine, spices up the conversation, gets them excited and bonds them together and struggle. Okay. Now, whether or not that struggle is based in reality or not is another story altogether. It doesn't really matter. The fact is that MMT hasn't made its case. We made a great case that taxes didn't fund spending. But the vast majority of the people that bought onto that message didn't pick up on what constitutes inflation. So they didn't have the ability to debate during the inflation stories. They didn't have the ability to go through and talk. They didn't have the ability to talk to people about the very real needs that they have. They, they were a one-trick pony. They stayed on this one thing. and. <clears throat> When you capture people's hearts and minds, okay, when you capture their hearts and minds and you allow them to see how the what's in it for me, okay, of MMT, it, it really does open doors and it opens minds. I was on a podcast the other night and uh, it's my first time back in a long time. I don't I think it'll air probably sometime in March for this MMT radio. And I was saying things that were clearly just outside of just the MMT, uh, you know, book of God here, right? They were a little bit outside the canonical. And, um, you know, I, I basically spoke of power dynamics and things like that. And, you know, one of the tough challenges is that everybody isn't even exposed to this. They're not even aware of it. So you've got an MMT community and they're not talking to regular people. They're not talking to the angry people. They've 
they stayed away because angry language, right, is, is fearful. And people are downright pissed. You, you watch the trains derailing, leaving chemical spills, et cetera, all because of deregulation and cost cutting. Why is that? Well, we have ready answers if you think about it as an MMT person. Okay. But the unfortunate thing is that once again, people are wrapped up in their own petty bullshit. They're not wrapped up in developing a, a larger understanding, a larger pool of people to move forward with. So we spend all this time talking about MMT, which is vital. But because we're not addressing these core things, and they're happening faster than anybody has time to answer, by the way, okay? I mean, somebody, oh, they're de-dollarizing. De-dollarization's real. It's happening. Now everybody's dumping the dollar. They don't even know what the fuck they're talking about, but they're saying it, and they're saying it like, like out of control, right? And they talk about the bricks, and they don't understand the actual interplay there. They talk about the petrodollar. They don't understand the interplay there. But the flip side is, is that many of the people on the MMT side just kind of hand wave at it because it's not what they're focused on. And so this huge gap between the group that took to the mall in Washington, D.C. yesterday, led by Ron Paul screaming, end the Fed, end the Fed. And MMTers who are trying to explain that the Fed is basically trying to control things like with a kitty toy steering wheel, the real power is in fiscal power, which is Congress. And Congress isn't doing its job. Because, well, actually, I believe it is doing its job. Its job is not serve we the people. But there's people out there, Pollyanna, they got the doe eyes, naive, and they believe, they believe stories, they believe tales, they believe. In the goodness of the good old U.S. of A. They believe the mom and pa and apple pie. They believe all the fucking bullshit that's pumped down their throats that evidence, and my God, if you've listened to our podcast, we have done enough on macro and cheese. We have done enough deep dive history showing you that many of your deeply held love for your country and deeply held belief in its righteousness are very misplaced, okay? Very, very misplaced. So being able to bring reality and history, reality and operations, reality and what's possible, you know, coalition building, all stuff, this falls outside of the realm of an economic discussion. I mean, it doesn't, but it does, okay? And so as a result of that, there's a void. And whenever there's a void, somebody fills that void. And invariably, when people fill that void, it's usually people that don't know what the fuck they're talking about, or that maybe they're just the loudest voice, not necessarily the smartest voice. Okay. So, you know, I, I, I try to explain this to people and I don't think people really get it. I was a radical right wing conservative, radical right wing conservative. I listened to uh, fucking um, Rush Limbaugh every single morning. I'm not joking, little, every single morning. Da, 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 da. Beat a liberal with one half of my brain tied behind my back, okay? Literally every single day. Mega dittos every single day, okay? Went through the G. Gordon Liddy stuff. 
And then I moved into the real hardcore libertarian stuff. And I was a huge supporter of Ron Paul's, huge supporter. And many of y'all probably remember the beginning of the Tea Party, right? The Tea Party was a nonpartisan movement. It wasn't just the right wing of the Republican Party at the time. It was kind of like Occupy Wall Street. You had all kinds of groups together that were targeting Wall Street, rightfully so. It was a good movement. Didn't have great demands, but had a good movement. Had a good, at least a good target. The financialization of our world has been devastating. But that movement right there, when people started falling away, that one was exactly the time where the Ron Pauls of the world revealed themselves as the right-wing nutters they were. For example, when Ron Paul was asked about FEMA, he wants to defund and get rid of FEMA altogether. And when he was asked in the debate what he would do, what, he, what his answer was, he said, 1900. 1900. Like, what about 1900? What do you mean 1900? 1900 was when there was a, a horrible disaster in Galveston, Texas. And there was no FEMA. And they put the poor, the welfare, ne'er-do-goods to work at gunpoint, cleaning up the dead. Okay? That's Ron Paul's answer to public service. That's Ron Paul's answer to, quote-unquote, the welfare state. Okay, this is Ron Paul's answer. So this is the antithesis of everything we're fighting for. So when I broke free of Ron Paul and libertarian thinking, I carried myself as what I called at the time, I called myself a progressive civil libertarian because who wants the government spying on you? Who wants the government in your business? You know, on and on and on. But that term libertarian comes with so much baggage because ultimately you're dealing with von Mises Institute, who is the fountainhead from which all idiocy of the libertarian strain come, okay? And they are Austrian economists that believe in absolute austerity, right? They hate the fact that the government is the currency issuer. And they absolutely hate any kind of public spending whatsoever. And so this favors, obviously, the wealthy, the wealthiest, okay? It is the extreme, the extreme of capitalism. So being able to have an understanding of the monetary system, being able to understand, I almost was going to bring my creature from Jekyll Isle book to show you guys just, there's always some idiot that doesn't understand that this is like my history. But when I broke free from this, I broke free from it because I learned modern monetary theory. I understood the role of Congress. I understood the law. I understood the role of the central bank. I understood the role of, you know, clearing transactions through reserves. I understood all this. Now that's very boring shit. And about five minutes of that, your eyes will glaze over. Okay. But the alternative is just running around saying shit. And that's what they do. 
So being grounded in MMT is very, very important, no matter what stripe you have, right? Because MMT isn't just about the existing system. It will describe whatever system comes to be. That's why it remains theory as well, okay? MMT describes at the highest order though, a free-floating fiat currency because it gives you the most policy space and gives you the most ability to do things. The problem is the people from the libertarian side don't want the government to do things at all, okay? That means they don't want it to regulate. They think that people will regulate because this is the whole, I, some asshole came to me earlier and said, what, you don't think people can use their brain and see and think on their own? No, I don't. Not only are we the most propagandized nation in the world, but your fellow countrymen and women are absolutely propagandized as well and have been lied to and their heads have been filled with bullshit. Well-meaning, but nonetheless bullshit. So when you hear the doomsday and you hear all this stuff, unfortunately, it doesn't hit the target, right? It's a lot of spin cycle. The United States government has a long and sordid history of creating covert wars. It has a long and sordid history of fueling its economy through military Keynesianism. It has a long and sordid history of using the CIA to disturb democratically elected governments and to create coups. The United States government has worked hand in glove with NATO to disrupt the East and to disrupt Russia and to disrupt China and to disrupt everyone else that's not Eurocentric. The U.S. government has worked tirelessly through the IMF and the World Bank to enslave the global South, who is gleefully breaking free and joining forces with places like Russia and China. They're not your and my enemy, but the powers that be in this country predate upon them. And since MMT as a body of knowledge, a body of information, doesn't focus its conversation around these things. Instead, it focuses very largely on, you know, investors and it focuses on interest rates. And these are all very important things, but you are allowed to integrate inputs, outputs, tools, and techniques. Things don't live in a vacuum. You're able to include other impacts so that you can analyze what the impact is, if you will, of a government that's not serving our needs. It's, it's very harmful that we don't address this stuff because there is bad guys. There's people out there that are filling that void. They're filling that void right now. I want you to know, going back a year ago, maybe, we were having a lot of fights about the state-by-state -state Medicare. And we explained, point blank, why that was not a viable solution. I didn't just bring my own thoughts and opinions. I brought in experts. I brought in legal experts like Bill Black. I brought in economic experts like Fadl Kaboob. It made no impact whatsoever. Zero. The only thing it did 
was alienate people because they want what they want and they don't care. They don't care. They don't care. And so it was treated like a, an attack instead of treated like an important lesson. Instead of being treated like, hey, this is the way the system works. You know, instead of it being seen as, hey, this is a good thing. It was seen as, hey, you just don't like what we're saying. Same thing when we talk about a universal basic income. And we explain, you see, in the absence of massive price controls and some sort of, um, you know, price anchor, that a UBI would be wildly inflationary. Number one, there's no production coming from it, but there's new spending power being added to the economy. It's not about the number of dollars. It's about aggregate spending power. Okay. It's about spending power and the ability to exact demand and to be able to drive up and run out the resources in given areas because more people have access and unless production keeps up, well, you can have spiraling inflation and worse. And this might be the hardest part trying to explain that companies will subsidize really bad wages instead of actually increasing their wages. They'll keep their subsistence wages, knowing that you're making extra money through your basic income. Trying to explain that is not like a, you know, like a, an opinion. These are the way it works. And this pandemic with just the tiniest of checks showed you what corporations will do when they think there's additional money for them to get their teeth into. They will jack prices up to get a piece of that pie. Okay. Hey, we're only getting 2%. Uh, let's make it 3%, you know, return on investment. Now, all of a sudden they're driving it up and they're raising prices, even though the cost didn't go up, they know that you had more spending power. So they raised it up. It's not no magical computer that just sort of lifts up the prices. It's not like some God thing. It says, oh, it's now $1.99 instead of 99 because, you know, inflation's this natural thing. It's not natural, okay? And so in the absence of a government willing to put price controls on things and go after companies found to be price gouging, which they're not going to, why? Because our government is neoliberal. It is absolutely 100% libertarian as well. Okay. There are things about it that are absolutely fascist. There are things about it that fit very nice and neatly into right-wing economic ideology. But in the end, our government is not serving us. Okay. And that's evident to anyone with eyes. Okay. Now, somebody brought up when I was talking about Ron Paul, they said to me, well, what about AOC? Well, AOC is an absolute piece of shit sellout. Her behavior has left me revolted. Now, I mean, you know, I'm, I, I don't really give a shit about electoral politics. I've said that countless times. I don't because I've seen no evidence whatsoever that our current electoral system actually supports the people's voice. We've already seen the Democratic Party, Democratic Incorporated Party, go down to a court in Florida, fight tooth and nail to preserve their right to hand select anyone they want for the nomination. They have proven in court that they don't even need to run a primary. They don't have any responsibility whatsoever to honor the results of a primary. 
it's purely their choice as to who they put up as the nominee. No matter how much you donate, there's no truth in lending kind of thing. There's no any of that. Literally, they have the power to do whatever they want. So I don't believe in your electoral politics. Not as it stands. Not that I don't think elections could happen and they'd be great and we should have a great democracy or whatever. It's that we don't have that in our system today. And you can't show me evidence that we do. If you can let me know of anyone that thinks that we should be going to war with Russia, I would be very hard pressed to believe it. People that want to go to war with China. Who? Why? Why would you want to go to war with China? But that's what our government is doing right now. They're ginning up a hot war with both of them. Okay. So it's very hard to bridge that gap and teach them modern monetary theory when, in fact, they associate MMT incorrectly, but regardless, with the Democratic Party. And then when you explain, well, this is how the system is, they say, well, I don't want the system. I want to get rid of the system. So they don't fundamentally understand pretty much any of it. And it's not like they're listening. They're filled to the rim with brim. They are absolutely filled with whatever it is the community that they associate with has pumped into their heads. Okay. And that's problematic because obviously when you get a left side that doesn't understand economics, meeting up with a Sig Heil right wing version of it in the libertarians that don't understand economics. What you end up with is a bunch of people selling Dogecoin as an economic response. That's it. Some NFTs maybe. Okay. Some FTX. And we've already seen the bottoming out for the poor. The poor don't win in those things. It's not like the poor people are just suddenly winning. Okay. What ends up happening? What ends up happening is, is that this becomes a bit of kind of like you're in our world. This is our family. This is how we talk. This is what we think. This is what we do. Okay. And so we have lost a huge opportunity to ground people's understanding of economics in MMT so that they could assess the power dynamic. Okay. This, this is a real problem. It's a real problem. Okay. Let's see. Why is AOC a sellout? I haven't been keeping up with her activities lately. Isn't she still better? Ugh. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about better, right? Signed off on just about every single thing that the folks are fighting. She signed off on war. She signed off on uh, funding for Ukraine. She signed off on the military, uh, you know, budget. She signed off on ending the railway strikes. Each of these things are completely counter to labor, counter to the left, counter to what we thought she was. Okay. And instead of pulling to the left and fighting tooth and nail, she is suckled to the center and suckled to the Nancy Pelosi's of the world. Okay. And this is where we find people saying I've given up and it's with good reason. The system itself, they find out isn't serving their needs. So MMT requires to, to actually implement things, right? It requires an important thing. And that is a Congress willing to operate the levers 
of the purse strings, Article 1, Section 8. And so because, because unfortunately, they're not actually doing it, these guys find a common ground, anti-establishment, yay, okay, anti-authority, okay, anti-intellectual honesty too, because everything's okay, right? You have an idea, who are you to say it's wrong? It's a post-truth world now. But the thing is, is that they've got a lot of things right. The geopolitical side, they get it right. They get a lot of these things right, but they get the money story wrong, and it sends them in the wrong direction, sends them in the wrong way. So I think that we have to recognize the world that we've moved into, whether you like it or not. The Democratic Party has made an embarrassment of leftists. They've embarrassed us from Jump Street. From Jump Street, we look like fools suckling onto their teat. And so when you're trying to explain to them the very intricacies of how the system works, they don't give a fuck because you haven't made the compelling case as to why it matters. So I think this is a vital, vital um, import. And I think that it's also of equal vital import that we recognize that if we don't get ourselves together and stop waiting for the Democrats to tell us how to talk about money or talk about war or talk about the environment, okay, if we don't stop waiting for the Democrats to do that, what's going to end up happening is something you didn't want. See, the allure of Ayn Rand and libertarianism is very strong and very real, for, especially for young people. You know, the pain, the pain of knowing that th this whole thing is kind of like a charade, that literally nothing that you think you want is happening. The idea that literally every day something gets worse and we're not there with an answer. That's bad. It's really, really bad. You know? I, I just, I can't begin to explain to you how catering to a wealthy community, catering to people of means, catering to people that still wonder, you mean to tell me Congress isn't serving us? You mean it's not just the Republicans? You know, when we're that fucking naive, making the MMT story work is a challenge because MMT, you can just talk about MMT without having any political agenda whatsoever. You can explain the system and it's fantastic, but it's just head knowledge and it means nothing to most people. And most people will flush it if it isn't tied to something deep in their heart. And so you watch, you had the fucking mall. You had the, the DC, you know, spotlight. And all you heard were libertarians talking about end the Fed and things like that. That's abdication, man. That's absolutely abdication. I have my feelings about certain members 
that are always looking at people collecting and grifting. I remember Movement for a People's Party. Originally, I was within a leadership group. I would go to meetings. I was working with Nick Branya directly. Uh, we were part of various movements, various events, various, you know, there was a big thing for uh, Occupy inauguration. Then there was a convergence conference, et cetera. And I remember thinking, oh, this is great. We're going to get MMT at the Convergence Conference, only to find out that MMT was shoved up in a corner in some weird classroom off to the side or on the main floor. Main floor had Zeitgeist and Peter Joseph in there, okay? You started realizing, okay, you're just like catching people and you're putting your favorites in the main hall and you're letting us other folks go. I'm not here to create that I'm here because I'm giving you the truth. I'm here trying to educate. And there was no meeting of the minds. There was no, um, whatever you want to call it. There was no coming together. It was like, let's get those MMTers off to side. Let's let them think that they've got a place on the platform. Let's let them talk over there. And, you know, lo and behold, back then MPP actually had put into their, um, like kind of who we are thing. A bunch of points about you know mmt and stephanie kelton and uh they put stuff about taxes not funding spending i was very impressed it was very hard work and i was very grateful that that occurred there's a lot of good things that happened i interviewed nick Branya way back in the day like four times i was at the draft uh bernie for a people's party event in washington dc with jimmy Dore, with tim black with jordan with uh nick Branya and all the rest of them garl and all of them a whole gang Okay, I got pictures of it, uh, the boot. Um, but that, at that thing, things started changing. And it started becoming quite apparent that we were co-opted to get our followers. We were co-opted in a way to say, yeah, your stuff matters, but we're going to focus on this. And so we sort of got kicked to the curb. And all of a sudden, next minute, you had Scott Santons in there with the UBI the next second. And then you had Andrew Yang the next second. And you're like, wait a minute, hold on. This isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I signed up for at all. And so for me, I look at that and I remember, and if you remember last year, Movement for a People's Party had this big, huge conference. Guess who spoke at the conference? Nina Turner. Nina Turner is now persona non grata with them. They had Lauren Ashcraft speaking. I don't know. I don't see her around anymore. They had Cornell West. I don't think he's around anymore. They had Marianne Williamson, who now isn't good enough for them. And now she's off their plate. And now instead you've got, <laughs> you've got, <laughs> you got Von Mises and you got Ron Paul and you got Cynthia McKenney. So as this weird twist continues, we've gone from, you know, scientific thinking and really being purposeful and advancing the agenda of Bernie Sanders, not the Bernie Sanders that's stuck in the Democratic Party playing games, the Bernie Sanders platform. We said, I want to see those transcripts, Hillary Clinton, that Bernie Sanders platform. That's what we were all signed on to, not the one where it's like, my good friend, Joe Biden. Okay, that's not the Bernie Sanders we signed on. 
We signed on for. Let me see your transcripts. Joe, did you not try to cut Social Security? Watch the video. Joe, did you not cut Social Security? That's the kind of Bernie we signed on for. That Bernie stopped doing that. And that created a whole new group of people to say, fuck Bernie Sanders and fuck the Democratic Party and fuck progressives and welcome libertarians. So this has become a battle of egos. It's become a situation where, hey, these people are too normie. They're the, they're the sellouts. They're the trash. They're the this. They're the that. And so we're all going to go over here and be edgelords. Now, listen, I don't know anybody that doesn't support freeing Julian Assange. I don't, but I also don't know anybody that burns candles all night for Julian Assange either. There is a crossing where it went from everybody can be a part of this to where it became like clerics of the new order could become part of this. It started getting weird and wonky. These things all started growing weird and wonky, like twisted and deformed and no longer healthy offshoots of important stuff. I don't know how to fix that because it's this kind of weird Alex Jones infiltration, the Alex Jones taint that is making it go from common sense and let's get something done. I, I mean, I'm ready for a revolution, but I'm ready. The problem is, is that the same thing, folks, the libertarians have been working tooth and nail with the Republican party since the sixties to take over local and state houses, local governments and state houses, local judges, you name it. And their prayer from day one has been to create the groundswell for a constitutional convention. A constitutional convention, okay? Now, the Koch brothers have been pushing for a constitutional convention now forever. But because we have allowed Scar to allow the hyenas into the pride land, okay, now all of a sudden people with a different agenda are bringing a totally different set of insanity to the table. So being able to have a rolling set of answers and being able to stay hip to what's current and what's important and being able to keep your head in the game to answer to the people to provide hope you know, the answer for the hope that lies within. We've got to be able to do that. And MMT is part of that story. I jokingly said it's like cracking the lid off a beer at a party. That's just the start. You got to still drink. You got to still do whatever. But cracking the lid on a, on a brewski, that's it. That's all MMT is. It's the starter drug. It's the gateway into this knowledge. But then you start asking yourself, well, why don't we have Medicare for all? MMT, we know we could easily, but we don't. Why not? Why aren't we doing everything under our power to get the environment right? We know we could afford to do anything. Why aren't we? Okay. And it's like, it's not just good enough. Don't be, don't be that loser. It just says, well, the Republicans rated social security. Please don't be that guy or gal. Retain your value. Don't say something stupid. Okay. Retain your value. Know your value. Okay. The constitutional convention that the libertarians want to do is one of bringing about a forever codified in law balanced budget amendment 
a balanced budget amendment would literally destroy everyone that isn't rich. Every time there's an ebb and a flow, there would be catastrophic conditions for people that don't have money, okay, that are poor, that are broke, that are living by the seat of their pants. If we are not able to kind of be all things to all people, to kind of find a way, and this is why, I mean, I know people, it's unfortunate. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. Because I cannot impose my vision on my own team to make the seven knowledge areas come to life, because I cannot impress upon people how important it is to be tied into first knowledge area, economic justice, second knowledge area, environmental, ecological justice, third knowledge area, peace with justice, peace with justice, okay? Fourth knowledge area, equality with justice, fifth knowledge area, democracy, sixth knowledge area, health and well-being, seventh knowledge area, technology and innovation, because I can't make that stick. And so because it doesn't stick at the top, it doesn't make it to the new person that walks in the door. And because it doesn't make it to the new person that walks in the door, we are not creating a team of people that understand this stuff. We're not creating a team of people that understand. And I'm not talking about understanding it from a my good friend Joe Biden perspective. I'm talking about knowing it at a level that addresses the very real concerns of those people that met in Washington, D.C. yesterday for an anti-war convention or anti-war rally that, quite frankly, MMT was in no way, shape, or form on display whatsoever. Zero. Okay? Zero. So, I, um, I'm really fucking torn because I despise the entirety of the libertarian construct. It is built on selfishness. It is built. And let me, this is the hard part. When I became a libertarian, I found out really at the end of the day, Ron Paul is not pro legalization in the sense of he wants everybody to be able to smoke weed when they want to. Ron Paul just can't stand the government getting involved. Do you understand the difference? Ron Paul is an anti-violence because Ron Paul would support a libertarian's right to hold a gun and shoot someone that came onto their property because it's my property and you stepped foot on it and you're not allowed to. But he doesn't like the state having power to commit war. Hey, fair enough. But the idea of where the libertarian ideals of anti-war come from are not founded in the sense of they're against violence. They're against state-sanctioned violence. Fair enough. But when you understand that the very essence of my talk the other day was about eradicating that concept of private property, not personal property, but private property. Private property is the highest calling, the highest virtue within the libertarian world. 
This is why they want to ensure you can't force a cake maker who's in business has got a charter from the U.S. government to do business. You can't force them to sell a cake for a gay or a lesbian person. This is their that you can't force a bigoted white owner to allow a black family to eat dinner at your restaurant. This is once again, libertarian construct. Ron Paul's mouth. Rand Paul has said the same things many times publicly all over the place. They're not shy about it. I've said this before. Murray Rothbard, one of the leading voices, the absolute leading voices of libertarian world flat out. Said, and I, I actually, I'm going to read this quote. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. This is one of the grossest, most disturbing things. And it took me a while because I was more wrapped up in being libertarian than I think I was really, <laughs> really willing to acknowledge. But he says, a parent does not have the right to aggress against his children, but also that the parent should ha not have a legal obligation. Oh, let me say that again. But also that the parent should not have a legal obligation to feed, clothe, or educate his children since such obligations would entail positive acts of coerced upon the parent and depriving the parent of his rights. Bam. That's it. That's it. I mean, If you don't know this stuff, it's easy to get snowed by it. You understand what I mean? It's easy to kind of get snowed by it and get swept up in it. And before too long, you're buying Bitcoin. But no big deal. It's not to say it's only a libertarian, but it's largely a libertarian thing. You, you're buying Bitcoin. You think suddenly you're going to talk about ending the dollar. You're going to talk about, man, oh, my God, we... Here, listen, I'm going to read you this one. This is, I'm not going to show it to you, but I'm going to read this to you. This is absolutely insane. Absolutely fucking insane. So they were talking about in this post, it was basically like, sadly, I spend a lot of time warning about the coming financial disaster. What is more sad is it appears that those charged with ensuring stable economy are deliberately working to crash the economy at the end of 19. It was, I was repeatedly warming about the repo crisis, tens of billions pouring out of the fed to prop up banks. It got no better, blah, blah, blah. Well, anyway, listen to this. This is the response. Time for the crash, then rebirth, new earth, no more fiat, precious metals, etc. The earth is our value. Their bullshit is about to crash down around them. We will be free. They're trying to stop it with all their created catastrophes, false flags. We will be sovereign, divine beings once again. They, their new world satanic order will be punished for their crimes against humanity. Hey, by the way, taxes don't fund spending. Did you know? <laughs> Sorry. 
you're not equipped. You're not a doc. I'm a, I'm an economic activist, Jim. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I can't fix that kind of crazy. I can't fix that kind of crazy. And if you don't have a grounding of MMT with a class analysis, folks, I'm a, I'm an MMT informed socialist. It's the deal. Okay. I'm for us. I'm for destroying this capitalist system and getting rid of the oligarchy. I'm, I'm all about revolution, but I'm all about truth and honesty here and problem. The problem is when you have to look at the Democrats, which are shit, which are crap, and you have to look at the libertarians and these other people, and you say they are fucking batshit crazy when it comes to science, when it comes to freaking economics, but at least they're fighting back against the war machine. You look over here and you say, I don't even know what to say. I didn't even know what to say. The Democrat, what do, what, do you, what do you stand for? What are you? What are you doing? You suck. You're horrible. And you just start coming back down to earth and realizing we don't have enough people. We did not make a big enough impact. We did not make a big enough impact. And we are not in the right places. We are not talking to the right people. And I, I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I talk to academics all the time, and I love them very much, each and every one of them. I really care for them. They've been wonderful. They've helped out big time. But there's a little bit of a gross feeling I have when I see people, regular people that are activist-level people, who instead of working together to help deal at this level, they instead suckle up and do tone policing and other ridiculous nonsense to curry favor with the people above them. I, I never understood that kind of clout chasing, but I see it a lot. And it's deeply depressing because we have a real legitimate issue here. Libertarians have just stolen your soul. They've taken the first step on an anti-war movement that nobody on the left did anything useful for. Now, grift from the Ron Paul world gets the, they get the James Clyburn taking Bill Clinton into the black church's treatment. Now, all of a sudden, they've got the hand of big names in the so-called left putting their hand on them and saying, we're with you. So I say this to you because unfortunately we did not rise to the occasion to be the answer for all this. And the problem is if you're not grounded, you're not going to be able to answer their questions. And because you won't be able to answer their questions, you're going to get fatigued because you don't know where your resources are because you're not prepared. They don't require preparedness over there. It just come as you are, as you were. Hey, if you want to fucking end the Fed, no problem. Hey, look, 
I don't have a problem with end the Fed rolling the treasury. I don't give a shit. But it's not the thing they think it is, and that's the problem. So you're going to have to chase a lot of rabbits all over the place to deal with this. You're going to have to chase a bunch of fairy tales and fucking fairy dust. You're going to have to chase a bunch of Alex Jones conspiracy theories. You're going to have to deal with people who said that when you're dying in a hospital bed with COVID, that it was just the sniffles. You're going to have to deal with that. You're going to have to deal with people that sit there and tell your kids not to wear a mask in school because masking is oppression. Never mind that it's just a prophylactic in lieu of a better response. It's a prophylactic measure. Okay. But if you're fat or unhealthy, why the fuck don't you just stay home, you loser? Why do us people have to deal with it? You fucking stay home, right? Selfishness is a core component here, and you've got to be able to deal with it. You've got to be able to deal with it because the disgrace that is the Democratic Party isn't helping. They're making, they are like a libertarian factory maker. Every time they say some stupid NATO propaganda, every time they prop up more IMF bullshit, every time they say something more useless than the last time, a new libertarian is born. In fact, hundreds of thousands of them are born. People that rightfully don't see the government serving them, people that rightfully don't see their representatives even talking about the things that matter to them. They read the newspaper and know the newspaper saying bullshit. They read the fucking talking points of the president, know he's full of shit. And in the end, can you blame them for not trusting? We've got a lot of work to do, and it starts with being grounded in MMT. I'm Steve Grumbine. Folks, I got to be honest with you. My heart, my desire to do good is stronger than ever. My disgust with people checking out and not doing the hard work that needs to be done so that we have the robust responses necessary is sucking the life out of me. I'm not going to lie. It's making me not sleep at night. It's making me violently ill half the time. It's making me lose my mind. It made me to the point where I almost wanted to end this organization, close it down altogether, step away forever and never look back because of that not keeping the purpose directly in front of us. I'm not going to let that happen, but I'm not going to tell you that my spirit is healthy or whole. A lot of abandonment issues, a lot of not getting the job, not doing the thing that is killing me spiritually and emotionally and watching what's transpiring out there and knowing we're not strong enough to be able to address this wounds me to the core of my being. Anyway, with that, I hope that you guys learned something today. Um, you know, it's all challenging to say the least but this is where we are folks we didn't pick the time we're in we just got to respond to it correctly so please like and subscribe join us become a member become a donor check us out at uh, patreon forward slash real progressives um, go to our website please realprogressives.org you can donate there you can find all kinds of resources there find macaron cheese podcast um, and with that, I'm hoping that I can find some inspiration to pull this all together because I left being a libertarian for a reason. I don't ever want to go back.
And yet at the same time, pulling me back in, Jim. Right? Bringing it back. So, got to get focused. Got to be ready. I'm Steve Grumbine, Rogue Scholar, and I out of here. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support our efforts, please take a moment to subscribe and check out our other work on the Real Progress in Action YouTube channel and visit our sister organization's website at realprogressives.org. Thank you.